My name is Jack Oatway. And I am Jay Oatway. And we welcome you back to another episode of Like Dragon, Like Sun. The father-son podcast talking Dungeons and Dragons, 5 at E, 5 E, and old er E's. Older maybe? E's, all E's. Um, I was going to say that, yeah, we're, we like to do this thing where I talk about the, you know, old school, and Jack talks about the new school. But mm. the truth is we actually both talk about new school most, new of, the school, time. Yeah. most of the time. Yeah. <clears throat> and you should talk about how bad old school is, but not I, today. I, I don't, actually, and I've I've often said this on the podcast that there's never been a better time to play Dungeons and Dragons. Right. So if you've come here looking for something other than a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, um, well, I'm sorry, but stick around because this is fun, uh, especially if you're a dungeon master and maybe a player. Today you're going to learn something mm, about combat. Perhaps the bit we look forward to in some of our games the most. Yeah. Um, I mean, role play and exploration are great and enticing and the, the characters, we feel them. But come on. I mean, what are classes for? What are races for if not for combat most of the time? So we have done deep dives on other of the so-called three pillars of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, mm. The social interaction, exploration, uh, and this one which is combat. Mm. Um and we kind of looked at the other ones and we tried to encourage dungeon masters to to utilize those other pillars and to go deeper into them. And and then we, you know, you know, in many ways, trying almost in an effort to say, hey, don't make your game all about combat. Yeah. But well, it, but let's face it, this sure. game is largely about combat. It is. It, it very Everybody much is. out there who's optimizing characters and I know who you are. I see you on YouTube and on Twitter. You're out there talking about your great, you know, damage per round. And I don't blame you for wanting to do that. It's fun to do. Mm. Um, and and so I'm like, okay, you know, let's, let's uh, you know, talk about the the 500-pound owlbear in the room. <laughs> right. Uh, people want to do, want to do fights. But my problem, and it's not that I think combat sucks. I don't, I love it. Mm. But it can be kind of samey. Yeah. It can be. And I know we changed the monster, but really, you know, and, and props to my my DMs and the people I play with. Um, really amazing maps. We play with minis. We do all sorts of cool things. With, you know, like there's a lot of things that change it up from session, session to session and gives us like, you know, fun, cool things to do with combat. Mm. But almost always there's the same objective. Yeah. And the combat objective that we all usually play to is reduce all the monsters to zero HP. Until they're dead. It's like a zero-sum game. One side wins, one side loses. Usually the players win, but at what cost, right? Yeah. Well, it sort of becomes a little bit something that I'd like to encourage more Dungeon Masters to think outside that box. That, I mean, it's the easiest thing to do is just to, you know keep track of how many hit points the players you know do damage to the your monsters until they're dead um and you know see if maybe you can kill one party member in in between that somehow uh maybe yeah. two party members but don't kill them all that's like the key yeah well so sure. if it changes though if instead of just saying okay we're all going to battle what if we had a different objective 
And we've tried this a few times at different things. Um, I've played this in a number of the games that I've set up, combat situations, where combat can stop if the mm. players achieve a different objective. Sometimes that's, you know, in my Curse of Strahd, Strahd game, it <clears throat> had to do with getting their hands on uh, a magical gem that was powering the the bad thing that was happening mm. and pulling it out and that would shut everything down. And by changing that up, suddenly we had players who, yeah, we're still trying to hold off the bad guys, but only holding them off long enough for the rogue to scale up and pry out the gem. Mm. Uh, and that's, you know, a very different sort of thing. And then the prying out bit becomes, okay, I'm going to do this check to see if I get it. Nope, I don't get it. So guess what? The whole party's got to go out and see if they can hold off the baddies for one more round. And it becomes different that way. They don't have this expectation that they have to kill everything. Mm. Instead, they're trying to hold the ground. And that's just one example of, of a different objective. But immediately, it, it becomes way more interesting and exciting because it's a different problem for the players to solve. Yeah, yeah. I mean we'll go into some more different examples. And I, I think there's many different ways you can approach combat for sure, but sort of looking at the idea of combat objectives for players, but also for DMs, right? Yeah, your monster should not always have the same objective, which is I need to kill everybody. Sure, because usually they won't succeed if that's just their objective and then... No, I mean, the poor monsters fail way more often than the party does. Sure, I mean, the monsters fail, but it's not the DM failing, right? Um, no, I mean, you actually fail, I think, when you kill the whole party. That's... Well, yes, that's kind of the fail. Um, the monsters win in that case, but only if their goal is to kill the players, which yeah. should never really be the goal unless it's specific scenarios um, that I could, like, sense where it's plotted in advance. But we'll go over some of the existing uh, and perhaps more things that I favor uh, when running my games in terms of player objectives and monster objectives. Um, and do keep in mind, I am usually a DM, and so I try and think about these when combat i mean obviously if it combat comes up All randomly right, so what's, it's hard to put it on the fly <clears> but so what's your sort of first combat objective that players or monsters from for, for players for players you? sure um well the first most common one that usually always happens uh if i'm not really prepared is killing the monsters yeah which is when i said like that's the that's the default that we all go to because it's easy yeah it is easy it's seems to be the natural thing right i mean creatures have hit points most of the things i do remove those hit points until there's no more hit points and then yeah. the thing goes away right and then we win right because all video games are like i kill the big boss i get rid of the and, health bar and, that's and it. Then yeah. I win. we we roll initiative and we all decide what turn which which order we're going to go in and we go around the table around and around and around trying Doing our best math. trying to do yeah to roll the dice and figure out the math from that and do the most we, best highest numbers and as a dm you're trying to narrate that to make it stay interesting because let's hmm. face it if we're playing for three hours tonight combat could be a third oh if not our, more maybe i mean i know combats time. that run three hours <clears throat> but at the same time it will take place over less than a minute in game of in world time yeah for sure um which is why killing the monster sometimes like an hour and a half in players would be like why are we doing this again you know yeah and start to lose interest in why they're actually doing this it's because they're killing the monster not Playing and story, I have heard, know, I have heard people complain about combat being, you know, sometimes getting a bit slow and draggy. And, and I know you, you, run, speedy, you run a yeah, fast table, sure, and I've right. seen you and your, your friends play, and you guys are quick. And there's many but things you I've can do I've sat at tables faster, where but... there's a lot of people who do get around, and I sympathize with them, where they had an idea for their turn, but then things change. 
monstrous move, especially if you're lower in the initiative order, an idea you had, you know, 15 minutes ago, but it finally gets around to your turn, you're suddenly like, oh. Doesn't work or, oh, I forgot it, you know? Yeah. And if you've got any amount of ADHD and tuned out partway in the middle and you think, that's okay, I got an idea. And then it comes around to you and you're suddenly, the spotlight's on you and they're like, what do you do? What do you do? And you're like, wait, what? Oh my God. And you, and I can see the panic set in on some people's faces in those moments. And it's tough. I get it. I mean, I do understand how, mm. which is why I think, yeah, giving the players a different objective helps a great deal because then their their player can be like, oh, I don't have to be the guy who does the most damage. Mm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think, especially we talked about in another episode about you playing a support character. Yeah. You know, sometimes giving other objectives gives more chance for support players to shine. And you know what? That that character is the, the most difficult player character I've ever had to play. Um, and in some ways the most rewarding. But to go night after night, fight after fight, and deliver zero damage is uh it's an odd feeling but also like i think i think everybody should try it it does change the way you look at a at the map because you're looking at it as a different problem Mm. you're looking at it as a complete as not how do i how do i get off my big skill you're looking at it in terms of well where can i move to that's going to help people out or can i pick something up or can i close a door can i open this and if the dm can change up my objectives once in a while so that our party is not just trying to kill and it is instead you need to get, you know, what, what's another one of your objectives? Uh, well, uh, another one would be taking the treasure, which yeah, is usually okay. uh, the thing that happens after killing the monster. But why can't it be something that happens exactly. in combat? Which is sort of a bit of the one that I was suggesting in my Curse of Strahd one where mm-hmm. they had to pull the gem out. If you have one player like I, like like me on the, the thing that's got a character that's that really isn't big into combat you know might get bless up on each on this his friends and then at that point you know forgets about trying to do much in the way of his own damage um i have to have sanctuary up and take the dodge action that's like you know big part of what i do but now i'm like oh well i will run over to the treasure then and start shoveling it into the bag or you know trying to pull it out of the sword out of the stone or whatever it is that needs to be done in that situation while the rest of my party who are very capable fighters um and wizards and things uh you know do their their bit to you know hold off the hordes exactly. or whatever right yeah i mean buy me some time you're almost mentioning bringing skill into combat right yeah which is something that's often devoid in battles maybe it'll come from like a perception check or oh, something sure, like that sure. or intimidation maybe you know it won't almost really do anything, no but... player i know thinks on their turn when they're looking at what actions and bonus actions do I have goes down the list of the actions and thinks oh I could make a skill check sure sure yeah almost never comes up. I mean that is like unless you're like grappling that's but... below taking the dodge action right right that I mean yeah grappling is in there and that's essentially a skill check but uh, come on good dms encourage players to take insight checks or to investigate or look use their nature background or use something like give them teeny weeny clues that encourage them to like look deeper into something and then within that find that there's a solution that doesn't involve reducing everything to zero hit points yeah yeah i mean there's always other things that happen in combat i mean i i mentioned take the treasure which is more of a catch-all for like taking a MacGuffin, a wave, it's like physically treasure, trying to get an object, 
or trying to activate something um, in terms of like completing an objective. Like it might sure. be, you know, read the passage in this location and it opens the gateway and yeah, yeah. whatever. I mean, that kind of starts going to breach the barrier. But I mean, or like flip the switch and so this thing deactivates or reveals this or does whatever right yeah. um that's less about yeah making... flip, flip the switch get the mine cart moving and then we can all jump on that and get out of here well sure or, um that as well um, you know like some of these things and i think also as a dm to encourage skill to encourage people in moments like that to encourage your party um especially if there's experienced enough players to recognize like put a put a challenge rating in front of them that they are clearly going to get crushed by from time to time. I mean, sometimes you want to let them have fun just crushing but, things. But, but. but to, to encourage them to sort of think, oh, this is not a fight I can win. Mm. This is not like we have to choose a, a different path right now. Um, make it kind of obvious sometimes that, you know, this is this is the time to figure out either like how to get by this in a different way. Sneak, uh, hold it off long enough to, to do the, you know, the MacGuffin thing, to get the treasure, to do whatever and run. Um, and that's fun because then we can do a chase scene or we could do, you know, there's other things that can evolve out of, of this instead of just, let's all just put the minis on the map and mm. do our, our blasting and shooting and fireball eldritch blasts and yeah, you know, whatever. True. Um, what else do you got? What other, what other, uh, so well, sure. There was take the treasure, which I, I was going to mention as well, that midway through you can, it, there's sort of like a, a shift. If like things are starting to get a little stale with trying to activate this thing or thing, like once the, you know, switch is flipped where we take the object or do the whatever, um, now we can turn to, like you sort of mentioned, whether it's the mine card or whatever, we can escape, right? Rather than having to fight to the death. Yeah. We can, we've got the object, let's run, you know, let's yeah. get out of here. And suddenly it, it can shift to chasing rules, which are there's stuff like that in the DMG um, or things like that that are more based, become thrilling because you're trying to escape this big threat and avoid it rather than take it on, right? And maybe taking it on includes slowing it down or trying to keep it away, but we'll get into more how monsters react to the, these things. I mean, if they're super strong, they probably won't really like see the players as a threat but in situations where they do that it gets more complex but um rather than just killing the monster which usually doesn't involve parlaying or usually it's just like like i sort of said zero sum game let's kill it this it's like well we don't need to kill it right there's especially if you're trying to encourage your players to be a little bit less murder hobo um moving the objective away from just killing it um although it is very satisfying when you get that how do you want to do this moment where you take sure. it down um if it does happen um, I argue that you should make all attacks or a lot of your attacks like that. Like make give player agency in the way it looks, right? Sure. I always ask my players, how does it look when you do that? Um, usually with crits, I, I can focus it more. And as we get down, it sort of grates on me in terms of how much I can, you know, can consistently like round five, two hours in. Do, am I really going to ask, exactly. how does this look again? You know, it's like yeah, I, at some point you just got to. Well, but at the same time, I also get tired of sometimes narrating everything myself all of their yeah. blows because it's i get a bit samey sometimes i mean i try sure. to mix it keep it mixed up but if they can throw a little bit extra in and i play with, like i said a lot of people who dm as well so mm -hmm. they tend to do quite well at that yeah um but i like the idea of like again motivating the that situation the, the you say the take the treasure I, made me actually think of something um maybe we were getting skipping ahead a bit but the monsters have motivations mm -hmm. as well and I like the idea that your monsters maybe recognize that your players have treasure of some sort. Do they not just want to take the treasure? And that's and that's kind of again like to understand 
what the motivation is in this situation. Mm -hmm. And if you can make it clear, drop hints, and again, maybe even encourage somebody to waste a whole turn doing air. And wait, I say waste. Again, not waste. It's not waste. Do an insight Info check. Info is like the biggest thing insight in combat. Insight check, and it's like, oh, they are clearly after the wizard's spell book. Mm. And now this is actually a really big deal because let's face it, our wizard's spell book is a very precious item. It may be one of the most important items our party has. Sure. It's expensive and we need to, and it's not just the wizard protecting it. We all protect it because those spells are really beneficial for all of us. And to think, all right, the goblins are seem to be going hard after the wizard's spell book. That changes, that changes our combat. Mm. It changes the story yeah. of our combat. The narrative now isn't just like, oh, well, oh, the goblins jump out and attack us. The goblins are like, they're very specifically doing something. And they'll only try, as a DM, I'm like, the goblins at the same time, while they're after the treasure, they're not here to fight to the death. So if the goblins lose more than two of their members, or more than half of them sort of are bloodied or sort of getting down, they will sound the retreat and get out of there. Right. But in the meantime, they are going to focus attacks, focus efforts and move towards trying to get around the wizard and grab that spell book off of him. Mm. And this is if you take just a slight twist like that to your combat situation, um, setting an objective for the monsters. And meanwhile, the players are thinking, I just want to get across goblin territory. Like we're just moving from one side of the dungeon to another. Mm. Um, and these guys are in between. And before it would have just been, oh, well, this is part of our dungeon crawl. We clear this room and we move on. And maybe we pick up something off the goblins. Uh, in this case, it's like, nope. Uh, what you might do at best is find that the goblin wizard in the party has his own spell book. Mm. Uh, maybe you get that from him. Um, maybe he would fight to the death for that. Probably would. Uh, and those sorts of, those are the changes as a DM you make to, yeah, to really change the, and, and also maybe also say to the players, if you can make it to the exit on the far side of this thing, the goblins won't pursue you. Mm. And you can be kind of meta about it, kind of clear, or again, you can set up hints or whatever that the goblins know that beyond that line is the territory of some other creature and they are not going to mess with that. Yeah. Um, that they're even, they even know now that perhaps they're outside their, their zone and they, uh, are going to be in trouble if they get caught out here. So you can set it up as well so that players can all decide at some point, just run. Can we outrun the goblins? Mm. Maybe the goblins go out an ambush ready for you to be running straight into it. You can do things as a DM where you can sort of try and make it, make it more, you know, cinematic, make it more multi-part. So it's not just, you know, here's the map. Yeah. And where do you want to put your minis and we fight? Right. Exactly. Um, well, which again, there's still way more tactics almost to these kinds of things that are um, regaining treasure or taking it if you're looking for stuff. I mean, sometimes you go adventuring not just to kill stuff, but to get treasure, right? Why yeah. are we adventuring? Yeah. Right? Often your um, quest is, mission, to, right? is to get something specific. Or, yeah, to do something that's important, right? Or give, yeah. find an NPC or whatever it might be, right? Um, which is where we sort of move on to the third one, which is more through intermediary combats, um, where the monster serves as a guardian of a gate, in a sense, right? Um, less like a guardian of treasure, but more of a guardian of passage to somewhere else, right? Which is what I describe as more of a breach the barrier kind of combat scenario, where it's more about getting to the next place. And this monster is you know, preventing us from doing that. And we can kill the monster and just move on, or if it's a really big threat, 
um, and we're under time pressure, maybe it's just smarter to try and um, evade this monster or take down whatever its defenses are. We can't just, like, it should never just be run past it, right? Unless it's real big or is the gate itself. Um, but maybe you need to weaken it or um, run around a location to find pieces to put together. Like you mentioned opening a portal, I think. Or did you did you mention that? Um, maybe I just had it in my mind because it's something I want to say. Um, but imagine I, I run a combat that was in a sort of like a lost library. And then there was this portal they needed to access, but they didn't have the runes to do so. Um, and so they were like, like trying to evade these big lumbering threats um, that were coming after them and destroying the environment and big scary creatures um that were summoning little weenies as well and they were looking for like little pages and books with runes and things like that to hand to the more skillful players that so they could they could open the gate and then pass through right and where combat is almost surviving sure. and trying to reach the objective um in a situation where they're almost like, maybe a little bit trapped right they can't really just run away so easily i i have a, a bit of an idea for a library scene like that as well um playing a i've got a haunted house um thing i did where i i converted um uh house what's it called um sorry i can't think of uh, it right house on the hill something like that um a betrayal on house of the yeah. hill that's mm -hmm. it betrayal house of the hill's got these little um it's a little board game yeah it's a board game that's got squares that you can lay out it's kind of in a random order to build this house and i sort of basically wrote a D and D script to go with each of the rooms and had it move around stuff and anyways there's a library in it and i quite like the idea of um using the the task in that giving it hit points so you've got to research it to death essentially mm. to get to find all the, the things that are in it so you're still in initiative order you're still being chased around things are trying to do damage to you but instead of you trying to do damage back instead you're trying to do research like you're trying to mm. read up on what's going on and so you've got to make ability score checks that are essentially your two hit and then from that we depending on what kind of player you were whether you were doing a d6 or a d8 uh, or if you're like a wizard or something, maybe you do D12 sort of damage to the research mm. and bringing the bringing the HP on the, right, yeah, the puzzle to zero. Puzzle, if I people, mean, yeah, sure. If people want to like bring something to zero, don't make it a monster. It could be essentially the library. And and then in exit, you can have other things in the haunted library basically fighting back against them. Sure. And, and that can just be very straight up against your hit points sort of thing right uh and so the party's taking out 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 damage and even they're trying it, sure. to like even if you don't like actually it. tell this to them i mean you can i i think it's a really good system and even um we we are sort of referencing and inspired by a book called what's it uh, called a magazine called knock knock is it called knock uh is it issue two yeah it was, um it was, it was or on the next page yeah. uh well from what what combat objectives is is hit points for skill challenges right yeah. and even if you don't give them i mean making dcs instead of just you roll above you succeed it's like combined efforts to do damage to these problems until you reach a level of success especially in more pressured combat scenarios right well, it allows um, you to stay in initiative order exactly it allows you to still use and you can even find ways to turn spells towards this you can turn other abilities towards this um and find ways that and as a dm yeah you're gonna have to kind of you know th this is sort of a, a little bit of a loosey-goosey system but it does allow you to keep keep in a combat pillar in many ways mm. of play that's in initiative order that players are each still taking turns um but working together on a on a you know essentially reducing a problem 
like yeah, zero the HP. one place where I don't like this system is when I'm running horror combat and I like to try and remove as much of this crunchy yeah, sort of thing to I it agree. Um, where I try and keep them almost out of combat as much as I can um, until it's like because the role for initiative really it's it's the separation like we've gone from the surprise to now the statistics right yeah where we've almost broken the horror a little bit and a part of it is moving away from surprise to suspense um but also another part of it is learning to be a little bit more rules light in terms of like how much like say roll 3d6 or make a saving throw for me you like literally go this thing is is throwing up all over you or something i mean so i don't know that's sort of a gross sometimes i do board body horror and stuff like that um and it, like you try and resist this um your, your physicality is trying to resist this and they go like well can i make a can i make a saving throw or something like go for it you know uh, yeah. at that point right? I, I like that as i do that as well i i this i like sort of describing the no matter and this i do this for even whether we're doing horror or not although i tend to run horror a lot that yeah you describe the effect of the thing that's happening to them and and you're telling them how much damage it's doing to them and there's there's this weird like look on people's faces first like a little bit like are you playing by the rules because you just dealt out like 20 points of damage to me is there nothing i can do um can i make a save yes yes you can I'm like well i have to ask <laughs> i'm like you don't just go make a saving throw first and... yeah i'm like well i don't ask you to make a, an attack roll do i <laughs> mm. i don't know look you only have to do that once maybe at your table before everybody's like oh okay i need to i know i need to do this now um and yeah i think there's especially when you're playing with a little bit more experienced players it's quite easy to sort of they know often which situations that they're making saves for um but you make it kind of clear that in saving throw situations like whether you save or don't save the bad things are happening mm. like you know that's a and that's an interesting part of the combat pillar that as a dm you can kind of look at as well and sort of think you know do i just make it clear to the players that every every round they spend in here mm. bad things are happening to them sure and that becomes then part of the different problem that the clock is running because every at this point then is thinking even if i roll well on saves and things like that and some of the squishy players are gonna be like uh no this is not my four i don't have good constitution um are gonna be like we can't be in here or we can only we've got like one round to figure out how to do this before yeah. it's going to be, start becoming really dangerous and then it's a different problem it's not again a, a fight to the death situation it but it's still very much inside that combat pillar and it's yeah uh, another thing i do sometimes to keep people involved in combat and thinking about what the purpose is is a little home rule i use called tactics where at the start of the initiative order um, i'll give everyone one minute out of character or in character if they want to, um, to discuss what the plan is for the turn. Sure. So they can synergize a little bit and plan ahead for what's coming up. I will um, let, That I isn't will let, side talk. Sure. And look, I will let players actually talk to each other throughout combat if they talk in character. Well, okay. Well, that's my next bit. In the, character, the stipulation with like the stipulation with tactics than you is that they you talk and they can talk out of character and know sort of things so they can sure. synergize as a party. Right. Um, but then anytime else, because they had such a bad habit uh, of always like making Amy. any sort of saving throw a bad situation, taking five minutes to break it down and rank all the optimal choices and whatever. <laughs> it's like okay, no, um, we're doing this for one minute. 
and everything else is reflexive in character. If you're deafened, you can't hear anything. If you're blinded, good luck trying to find and talk to people. If there's howling wind, good luck trying to hear people. Um, like I'd like to use, like if your character has a voice, use that voice. If your character ha would speak in a certain way or withhold information or um, know certain things, do it in character. Yeah. Um, anything else has to happen in character. It doesn't have to be on your turn, but let's be limited here in how much we're involved sure. in reactively and reactively saying something to someone. Your players are often fighting very big things that well, probably previously don't, they were. don't talk um, back to them. But now in mine, I often things. have, I often have bad guys in it, who I I try to have as much dialogue between the the, the scary, threatening bad guys in the party as possible. Mm. And it's very important in this point that all of the scary bad guys truly do have objectives, and they do have some sort of master plan that they're trying to envelop the the players in mm. um and often the players in situations like that are um you know they're being tested or they're being pitted against yeah. know, forces or they're being trying to be captured or things like this are going on that they recognize that there are those objectives of the bad guy and they can sometimes talk their way out of it they can negotiate and we we've done a, a whole episode on parlay before but um that only really becomes clear to players, especially newer players, if as a DM, you create situations where the bad guys talk to them. Mm. It'll surprise the heck out of your players in the beginning. Um, and it's actually sometimes funny. I've, we've even seen in Critical Role where we've got very advanced players in the last uh, campaign, uh, they came across some yetis and this fight starts off all aggressive and they might go one, maybe two rounds before they start trying to pump the brakes and slow the fight down. Um, and it takes a while as you go around the table to have each of the players trying to de-escalate the things they're doing and sort of move out of fighting. And and I've seen that with my players as well. Like it, it's it's interesting to see. It's it's a fast moving train. It doesn't actually stop mm. instantly. It does actually take sometimes a round and a half to get yeah. everybody to sort of stop. And then again, if people are playing their character flaws or whatever, and they've just got some other bent reason mm. why they hate goblins or whatever, and they're like, no, screw it, fireball. <laughs> and you're like, okay. So everybody else just spent the round trying to like negotiate peace, and then the wizard just blew them all up. And sure. we're back to it again. Right. Or whatever. And But this is, for me, this is the best part of D&D. That's storytelling. That's people in character. Mm. That's um that's kind of weird random stuff going on and that's that's all good fun like that is way better than us just doing math oh yeah for sure um especially when you start to then take into consider how monsters aren't always rational as the dm right no. i mean very different creatures will act very differently you yeah. know like goblins will act differently from you know wolves dire wolves that will act differently from ogres that oh will i act love the idea from trolls, i love the idea of like from of ooze Fiends. You see it in the room and it suddenly moves and like it all puddles on like on top of a of a shining rock in the middle of the room. And and the party is like no idea why. Mm. And and is it and again like because like how do you know what ooze thinks? Yeah. Um and is that it's like safe spot? Does that like is that what's trying to protect? Maybe there is a gem inside that thing, maybe or maybe it, it you know it thinks it's blending in or um, yeah. you know, and you just play, play up with like different things, or maybe it's t totally doing it because it wants you to come over and look at that rock. And then from the ceiling above, 
all of its friends drop down on you. Ambush, sure, plop, plop, sure, plop, plop, yeah. plop. A little bait. Um, and it's like, you know, like those sorts of, uh, you know, if you're trying to find a creature that doesn't have, that doesn't have human logic, it gets hard as a, I mean, I'm a, I'm a human being. So to not right. think human is hard. Um, sure. I mean, there's three core categories if you're trying to like think about, okay, is it one of these three things? Intelligent creatures are creatures that can almost make rational decisions. Sure. Most humanoids, goblinoids, um, things like that along yeah. those lines can typically think rationally and make decisions as well as smarter monsters will typically act with intelligent purpose and that'll impact their objective in combat. And they're the easiest ones to do because yeah, you can really set up combat objectives for them and they can be smart that right? are yeah that even are if they're not physically tough yeah like you can be smart as a dm to try and outplan and outwit your players because yeah. you have all the information typically going into a battle um, they can have ambushes ready for the party sure. they can um or like i said they can know things right they can they can know things about the party maybe they've, they've maybe they've been watching them maybe yeah. they've heard of stories of them I mean, maybe they've been stalking them for a while. Exactly. I mean, um, I have played in a campaign where we were constantly being hunted by assassins or scried upon oh or things oh, like yeah. that. And they're right? just like tracking you and all the time and getting jumped by these guys. And you, after a while, you're like, okay, that's it. I am so sick of these guys. <laughs> I'm going to find their base and I'm going to find their leader and we're going to kill them all. Cause <laughs> sure. We actually um, did that. It was great. Oh, well, sometimes it is fun. Pays off to be a murder hobo. Yeah, it was, it was the, the, Mm. massacre to end all massacres that right. one. yeah and typically if these intelligent creatures are protecting something it's usually protecting information other important people like a, a castle or a stronghold or a location um, that these creatures are using traps or setups or tactics to um, best defend as they can or if they're attacking the players it's usually because they've set up intellectual sort of traps or ambushes or ways that they can escape a little bit more easily. I mean, everything won't be as cunning as I'm saying, but there's a little bit more thought into it than just, ooh, I'm hungry, which takes us on to our instinctual creatures, yeah. which aren't completely unintelligent, mindless beings. So you beings, had this set up yeah, as, as, as punch, lunch, and hunch. Sure, sure. So punch was a straight up like, okay, we're coming at you. Right. And then because- Punch can kind of be anything. Yeah, well, it's because, we, yeah, we, well, it's, the punch is sort of a planned attack, typically. Well, yeah, well, not super intelligent. I mean, there's. I think there's a difference between hunch and punch, where hunch is like these people have set up, like I almost like imagine like bandits that do a routine of fleecing uh, people of money right. or setting up traps or setting up ambushes. Scheming. All, you know, scheming and work together. Where the punch um, ones where could punch be is more, more reactive almost. Yeah, a little bit more like, ooh, let's attack them, you know? Sure. Or well, they've come into our room, quickly well, go. I mean, go to arms. You your, know? your most basic situation is guards at a gate. Sure. It's not going to let you right? through. And you're like, we're going through this gate. And the guard's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yes, we are. And the guards are like, if you do, I'll try and I'll stab you with my spear. And they're like, go ahead, try. And then the guard goes, all right. Okay. Well, and then, then we all go for initiatives. And um, the objective is usually just to harm players, right? That was a really boring combat, folks. I, I run better things than that. <laughs> right, right. Um, sure. But we're kind of making the point that those combats are kind of a little dull. And that's sort of the yeah. problem people express sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I mean, God, if you set up a gate like that where they have to kill the guards, it's just like, oh, this is this is just a really boring math problem. Yeah. Like the interaction at the gate should be something better than this. It oh, should for sure. be 
make it make the suspense of them coming in and seeing how corrupt this government yeah, is never interacting always, with these people or these always, nations always, this. i always think guards can be bribed can they can they yeah exactly <laughs> can they be bribed like once people become hostile what can we do to move away from that can we parlay what can we do here right and yeah. intelligent creatures another thing about them is usually you can rationalize with them and be unless they're again we mentioned extremist you know sort of people that can't really be rationalized or it's too late to do that sort of thing um where the objective is just kill nothing you can say can stop this which again is kind of boring um but if we are dealing with goblins or things like that can we negotiate here can we make a deal to stop fighting especially if things are looking real bad i mean at some point if these people are thinking they're going to win and they're a little bit more selfishly inclined well, what if the guards they... think they're going to lose oh sure oh well what the, the guards, guards what are the guards asked to parlay yeah i mean the guards can clearly see that you are sure. uh, strong and like they're like okay we're gonna die here so maybe the guards are smart enough to kill. they know they can't run come on in actually just yeah you guys come come through here and uh just wait here for in this this and i'll you know and maybe they they seem convincing enough mm. that the party steps into a little like you know kill box where this and they realize wait a sec mm. where the guard just led us into a space where like a murder hole opens above them and you know they start getting it and at that point then the party's like okay okay wait well where did you sure or i mean they probably... do something that changes the odds up yeah, so sure. that the poor little guard isn't right. just immediately clobbered by your barbarian and dies right or if, I, if it's a human sort of being i mean imagine like they're backed in a corner they're really injured they step back drop their weapons not to provoke opportunity attacks they drop their weapons hands in the air like let me don't kill me don't kill me please you know i have a family or all these sort of things right like what do people do if they're afraid of dying i mean anything to stop it right they know they can't win right Um, we talked talked about board shopkeepers last week as well there's often that opportunity to have a, a a guard or somebody who's just like eh yeah. And and this is the thing, like the the objective here, sometimes maybe even in your lunch category one here, the instinctual creatures, things that come out, maybe they're not again, they're not just there to eat you. That, you know, maybe maybe the owl bear and, and this is actually an interesting idea. In nature you see um you see like grizzly bears, I've, 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 you know, on nature programs fighting, but they don't fight to the death, right? Mm. R- rarely does one get killed. They, sure, they clawed each other a bit. One takes a bit of, you know, of a beating and sort of decides, okay, I'm, I'm out. And it's a territorial thing, right? Um, maybe the owl bear is the same sort of thing. It's like, you know, first one to lose a quarter of its hit points, uh, and that's it. Like once it's it's either done that much to you or you've done that much to it um it thinks it's over mm. and it i don't know if the the problem is with this i have a one question like do you think if you were a player that if you were only 25 percent into fighting an owlbear and it wanders off that that's a bit unsatisfying yeah, well sure i mean I, 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 if we go into a chase scene or something else, I mean, again, thinking is the job that we want to kill it. I mean, it becomes a really enticing fight because imagine we're in a harsh winter setting or something like that where food is hard to come by uh, and the party is running low and they come across an owl bear and they're like, this is like enough to f- like, uh, yeah, no less. This is enough to like keep us warm, to feed us. Think about how much we could do with this. And even if we're crushing this thing and going into it, it starts to run away. It's like, no, this is our source of food. This is what we need, you know? And so suddenly it becomes like the killing it is not just surviving or trying to win the battle. It's trying to like 
survive in a very different sense of yeah. trying to kill it for for food it well, is the a, treasure then as sense. a dm i can also trigger other things on top of this we can have avalanches and thin ice and oh sure and then environment and, environment is another thing that's always good to we add transition into a different a, a different scenario. story mm. um reinforcement which, thing could go, which could at the end of which you finally catch up to the thing maybe taking a bit more environmental damage or whatever and then we finish the combat Sure, and then, exactly. We move to a new location. There's a chase sequence yeah. where we're catching up or falling behind or whatever it might be, and there might be skill challenges in there to avoid the hazardous terrain or, your or rivals, keep up. You or, only get there too late to discover your rivals have already killed that. Or that something else killed they've it. Got you know? it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The idea, that's always the funny one, too, where you the thing that's chasing you gets eaten by something even bigger. Well, sure. I mean, that's a little bit cliche, but yeah. like the big Tyrannosaurus Rex killing the other thing, right? But Even the Velociraptor. Right, but... Or even like the end of the, the new one where the big water thing comes out and yeah. takes it on like whatever. You know, you could do that a couple. You pull that off and players go, whoa, once, but then don't do it again. <laughs> it's if I've funny once. Mm. Um, uh, so we've mentioned punch, which can kind of be anything. Um, hunch, which is intelligent creatures. And then my favorite, lunch, which is for creatures that are more hungry or instinctual or unintelligent. But again, why not let them players just like give the players a hint that that it's just hungry yeah it's really hungry and the insight check and they or nature check or survival i, I think this know. thing's looking thin this thing's wasting like, away exactly like, you're noticing that you know maybe if you and again if or you see its kids and its kids are looking way or wasting the, away the players you know? throw the players throw a bunch of their rations towards the and are good at animal handling yeah. or you know suddenly the the whole thing is you know, it's solved with that instead. Mm. And actually, if you create more situations like this, you can push more encounters per short rest at your players mm. because their hit points aren't going to be getting dwindled down so it's much. It's really their resources. Yeah. I mean, thinking, especially because I'm going to be re running a resource-heavy campaign where every ration counts, right? And so, yeah, maybe we're low on hit points and we don't want to lose as many hit points, but... Can we really afford to give away this many rations to these monsters as we're going along? Like, we need these ourselves, you know? Our torchlight is running low. We, like, all these things, like, distracting it or rewarding it and causing it to go away, sure. But now how are we going to light our, you know, our keep light up as we're venturing deeper and darker and whatever, right? And so these questions that are managing not only your health, but your torches, your rations, which often, again, we don't think about. Um, again, combat. If does fighting this thing mean losing a couple more precious arrows? I'd rather parlay with it and maybe not waste my shots against these weeny little things that are distractions from the greater goal, right? Um, is what I, I I want to almost achieve with combat sometimes. If we can, it's like a balance of maybe doing skill checks and fighting from time to time, but knowing when to defend yourself and things like that that are more real in a sense than just this all-out tactical war. How much can I do to it before it kills me, right? Yeah. Uh, well, again, this as a DM, then coming back to asking yourself, okay, parlay is one way out, but what else can I do? Um, how else can we we sort of stop this thing? And that comes back to what other objectives can I give it? Um, even on intelligent ones, there was one in the book that I quite liked. Um, was the idea that the monster is attracted to a certain color, or a certain smell, or a certain item or something that one of the players has on them uh, again earlier i said intelligent creatures might be after your spell book but an unintelligent one might simply just see something shiny on you yeah i mean we used to say that that you know bulls charge the color red we now know that it's actually the waving of the cape of the matador that makes the bull charge but um but the idea that you could have an item on you that because of the color maybe they just 
one of your players has got a uh or maybe you know the 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 billowing cape right uh, common common item some players like picking it up as a common just because it's funny you know it sure flaps behind them gracefully makes you know make them look heroic but that little flapping in the breeze just drives you know whatever creature just absolutely crazy and it comes at them it's like totally attacking the right but not almost attacking them as much as attacking their cape or Mm. something like that where the players then learn well i can give up my cape and we can get out of here or distracted or but again then you know little things like that again you're bit by bit you're pulling things off of your players we've tried to talk a little bit last time about what happens when you give players too much stuff this is a way find find little ways that the players have to recognize well i can make a choice here we can we can spend the next hour fighting something to the death or i can give up something that's got a 10 gp or whatever 100 gp value to Again, it is that and, worth though <laughs> yeah well this is it, it is the is this worth the you know the Sacrifice, money or can i yeah. is it easier just to dump that that bit of treasure and keep moving right knowing yeah. that there's more treasure ahead yeah for sure um i think one more thing i want to talk about with monsters is i talked about breaching the walls players which sort of gives opportunity for stealth or parlaying or things like that um but breaching the barriers monsters right um, the idea that the players are on the defensive and they can prepare for an com- incoming onslaught, right? Yeah. Which is something we actually don't see a lot. Usually it's adventurers adventuring out uh, into the base where these layers mm. or, or where these monsters are, right? Um, and then initiating combat. But what if it's the other way around and the players know that this stronghold or this whatever is going to be attacked um, and we need to hold it off or protect this person or as we're moving through the area, we need to... The, the thing isn't to start combat. Um, but it's to defend this one thing and get it to the other side. And that can be fun. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of ways again where you can in- get them to include crafting and things like that mm. into the, the, the works of the whole or thing. Or more general preparations of bigger war, like weapons of war. If you're doing sure. a classic castle scenario, um, again, keep in mind, we're playing D and D not Warhammer, but yeah. And I mean, yeah, depending how big of battle you want, sure, you don't go, want the scale to be too big. You're not doing Helm's Deep here, but exactly um but yeah there's ways you can come up with fun solutions to it that again the the skill check portions of it can be ways that you do damage to the to the attackers sure rather than you know than it always being weapon attacks mm. you can find ways to encourage players to to create other sort of combat-esque approaches mm. to things using skills and i say breaching the barrier but this could even be overcoming the defenses of the players to take a, a, an npc that needs to be escorted away um, or, you know, especially if there's like, perhaps a bounty scenario or there's like, it's a valuable NPC. Maybe the NPC isn't killed outright, but is simply taken away to another castle, right? Classic Mario sort of thing. Or again, like you said, plucking items off of players. Their goal is to take this item, find it, whether they know of it ahead of time or if they see it and they want it. And this is why they're starting combat. It's to get this thing, right? It's not to harm the, harm, harm the players, right? Um, but it's to get this item. Um, and you could that reflects how they act in combat, right? They're very elusive, typically. They're not really engaging in fighting unless it's to create openings to take this little thing away, right? And there might be little weenie goblins that are easy one-shot kills or little mosquito-y, sturgy-looking things that really are just here to take this little magic item from you, right? And get it back, maybe reclaiming it, whatever it might be. Um, or if there's a, a, a funny idea um, I had was that if there's like a sorcerer whose blood is kind of 
important in some way and maybe a villain knows this they'll send out like vampires or blood-sucking creatures like sturges to sort of mosquito the um important blood out of the the person and fly black back because it's important maybe for spell components or for things like that as well for more conniving spell casters uh, I, as villains. Um, uh, this is something i've been doing for a while which i quite like is setting a um almost like a dc type level for the monster's initiative rather mm. than rolling the monster's initiative depending on sort of how quick I think it is or how kind of difficult that particular situation is. Um, so like this one, you might have some very fast flying creatures who are going to try and come in and rob the party. Let's say there, this is a fairly difficult sort of challenge on these things. Uh, we'll set the, the DC sort of at 16. So their initiative is essentially 16, but also other skill checks and things against this uh, creature. We're going to leave 16 as kind of the, the zone there, which for, you know, mid-tier characters should be, not too bad they can handle this so when they roll initiative my idea with this is that i just want to know whether you got over 16 or under 16. Mm. let players at that point then decide if they succeed if they all get if they get over 16 what order they want to go in and if they get under it they decide again what order they want to go at it but they go after the the they're going to go right. after the monster yeah, I and mean, I think that that sure. lets you a bit like what you were suggesting have that sort of strategy sort of set up, but what that also means is we can do initiative very fast. Mm. We don't have to ask each person what their number is and plug it into a combat tracker. It's clear. It's just over under. Who wants to go first? We just like decide our order, and we don't even have to decide order. We could actually just stick with numbers at that point yeah. as well. And then, but here's the idea. So like you've got. So like I said, you've got these things that are continually trying to hit the party, grab an item, and get out of there. They're not sticking around to fight. This is always going to be one round combat. Sure. Well, one round plus then a retreat. Right. Two round combat. So the things swoop in. Maybe they surprise you. Probably they don't. You everybody rolls. If everybody bombs their initiative roll, those creatures move first. They try to grab the item and run. And if you're lucky, you see them coming, you sort of get some shots at them. Maybe you take out a few, maybe that swarts them off. They don't actually try and grab the thing. And then you let the party carry on. Mm. And, but a little bit later, you do that one again. Right. And you do that one again. And maybe the party at that point starts to really change up. Okay, we, we've got to have a new strategy. These things keep coming. You know, we need to make the item less visible or we need to get rid of it. We need to put it somewhere safer. Or maybe we just, we arrange, we make sure the wizard isn't still sitting at the back every time because that's where the goblins keep trying to jump him right you know you know whatever um change it up so that the creatures it's they're not you're not going to stick around and do long combat it's going to be two two round two turns in and out and either the the party wins it or they don't right um and you do it a few times they'll always win because they'll adjust their tactics so that but the bad guys can adjust tactics too i don't know you can do different things like that so this so that your combat isn't always doesn't always have the same structure doesn't have the same multi-round it's going to go on for another hour while we play this it's going to be you know here you go one turn what do you guys all want to do and yeah you think about it for a minute talk it through the same way that we introduce a puzzle to a group and they could talk it through or the same way we introduce you know skill challenges or something where it's just changes combat so that it's it's a different and and this i think 
really then answers the problem where people go, oh, combat, combat gets a bit boring in D and D. Let's mix it up, you know, because it, it, it's only getting boring because you're just your DM's doing it the same way every time. Sure, environments, you know, um, what we've the talked monster for, I don't is, know, almost an hour here or something. Sure, yeah, we've just thrown out like <laughs> we're just going on and on and on about every idea that we can, you know comes to our mind about how to ways do you can do combat so much differently mm. um, and have it resolve in multiple different ways. And, and this isn't even then, like I said, all the different then permutations of creatures and monsters and locations. And we've talked before about how even the environment can be then factored into your combat situation so that the, the, the room or the dungeon yourself has also got its turn and things happen. Right. And, you know, there's so many ways you can keep mixing this up. And, and because of that, I can't ever say that I'd play D&D without combat because mm. there's just too much fun. Right, too much of the game is, is hinged around it. Yeah. I mean, think um, about it. It's you so know, much. And how much you make it part of the story, that's really up to your DMing mm. skills. Um, and then in, as players as well, how much you decide to talk talk through your own character's problems. Yeah. And uh, use combat to work out your or, character's problems. I mean, especially in, in more recent campaigns I want to do, how can we tell a story that isn't just me winning? It isn't meant for the players to win. It's meant for the players to experience struggle and hardship and combat. And to grow. And to grow and to, and to show how they fall and fail as well as, as much yeah. as they succeed. Or to learn to work together. Exactly. Or whatever. And the ultimate meanest thing you can do is as a, a monster not try and single someone out even or just do big damage or massive numbers is to break the party apart you know make them doubt one another make them sure you know break worsen their ties you know expend yeah. their resources make them hit each other we, on accident we can and we can go into horror another sabotage time I, one another. i've done all sorts of fun things that in ways that actually sometimes turn out to be quite funny helping players then like having to hit each other i've actually had one player like look at me and go like do i do I really have to hit him? Yeah, you really do. Sure. Well, I mean, mind control. And, I, like, I'm not and you can almost okay, see well. them like almost want to say sort of sorry because they weren't even really playing. They were actually like playing a an NPC that was looked just like them. Right. But I had them sort of do the play the the baddie for me. And it was just sure. funny. Yeah. Play I mean, learning that it, the game is um, not just some players just winning, are right? some players really are really averse to hurting each other. It's yeah. It's quite cute. When I you can see why. I mean, it. it's it's almost a friendship building exercise. And so when it you is. betray one another, it's it hurts. Yeah. It's like I don't separating know, you, character you, you, from you person guys, sometimes. So I say, you're living in the best time of playing D&D. When I was a kid, it was like any chance to go PVP it was like <laughs> people would be quite happy to like forget the monsters, just fight each other. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, well, we've got an episode all about that as well, yeah. if you want to know how but, to spice up those kinds of combat. That's a different type of combat. That doesn't really drive story forward very often. No. So um, anyways, yeah, I think that that's enough tonight for our uh, pillar of combat. Mm. Thanks uh, for tuning in. Hopefully we've fed you a bunch of ideas, whether you're a DM or a player, how to uh, how to make combat objectives. Mm. Uh, a big part of that make min-maxing for damage not the most important thing when making a character. No. It, if if you start to learn how to build these sorts of combat situations, players will stop trying to over optimize their damage. Well, output. or they'll try to over optimize themselves in different ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. Exactly. Well, whatever you make the new problem, that's what they'll lean in towards. Yeah. So. Um, all right, folks. Thanks for joining in and listening today. I was ramble on about combat and fighting, which is honestly sometimes the best and worst part of the game, depending on who you. Wait, where your standpoint is. I'm always excited when combat breaks out. Yeah, I, do um, I get excited when somebody says roll for initiative. Yeah, it, it's exhilarating. I come up with my own term for Term for? I think roll for initiative is good. I mean, it's so classic, iconic. 
I know, but, but you can just basically, you could like, you could substitute something else. Like you could, you could really say like, you know, whatever you could say, was And everybody knows that that's the time that they roll the dice. Or, or it's if like, it's like bust a more, out your weapons. Well, sure. Right. Or like, get ready to throw down. I mean, almost, it, it adds to your theme, Get right? ready to rumble. You know, whatever. Put your own DM style on yeah, you. Or a calls. And yeah, it's yeah. like. And then they know that that means roll initiative. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, oh, I see. And you can start introducing other rules. Like, surprised for me is not lose your whole turn. It's minus 10 to your initiative. Or acting last in the order, right? Um, for the players. Yeah. And like, that is punishment enough in some cases. And um, I don't know. It. You get a lot of freedom with how you can run combat. It doesn't always need to be the classic roll for initiative, take all the numbers, go through turns, hit, 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 yeah. hit, 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 hit. It, hit, it hit, actually hit, may be know? the biggest problem in some ways. Initiative trackers, the, a lot of the online tools and stuff really mm. gear themselves up for the video gameization yeah. of it, which forces you into basically doing the same thing every time which is attacking everybody takes their turn and trying to do as much damage as possible and then reduce it to zero i mean people play spellcasters to try and diversify it but if we've learned anything from certain classes it's that you end up just casting firebolt or just casting eldritch blast or just yeah. casting whatever cantrip is your go-to and maybe sometimes busting out something else but most of the time just staying in the back and hurling ranged cantrips but um Try and spice something up. Try and encourage them not to just stand in the back and avoid taking damage as if it's the only thing that matters, yeah. right? Other things matter, you know, than yeah. just being there in the corner. I, I like the idea of, like, you set up, uh, you know, while they're doing that, the wizard has a choice to make um, arcana checks uh, against a set of glyphs or runes. And again, the idea that each time they do it, you give them a chance to roll you know, damage output. And yeah, they can lean spells towards it and other things to increase that. Mm. And you give the you give the the glyph problem an actual set of hit points for them to take down. Sure. So they've got their own job in the back there. Or they can decide, oh, I'll go and help the party kill some things. Mm. Um, you can just sort of decide what's gonna work faster if we get through this first or if I we try and kill everything first. Or right. maybe killing everything is really proving to be a bad idea. Quick work the glyphs, work the glyphs. Mm. Uh, and maybe other people can help work the glyphs and I don't know. Like do create things like that that change the objective. Mm. And that changes combat. It does. All right. Hope you enjoyed us ramble on a little bit with us or learned something that you can apply to your own games. Um, and see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.